Right, Tracy, tell us a wee bit about yourself. Um, my name's Tracy Bell. I work for Crun as the alcohol um, addiction specialist. I also do PTing. Um, and I've worked in mental health for the last 24 years, both working with um, within the hospital setting and out in the community. Um, I would be passionate about drug and alcohol addiction as I'm a big believer that there's no such thing anybody sets out to be an addict or anybody sets out to be an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, very, very passionate about that we have to look at the problems behind the addiction and not the addiction because I don't think we can ever solve the issue if we just look at the addiction. Um, I'll be honest with myself, I was what you call a gym slip mum, 14 pregnant, 15 when I had my daughter, um, and when I had my child, you weren't allowed back into full-time education, you had to go to a naughty boy and girls school. You're giving away your age now. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, and I'm very passionate about that we should be empowering young people, to let young people see that you can develop, um, and come out the other end. I had a parent, a mother who was an alcoholic, a father who was very abusive alcoholic, um, and ended up with my brother was the first in Northern Ireland to die of heroin addiction oh. 19 years ago. So this is how I got involved in um, addiction services and started working with Tracy McGee of UTV doing the Insight programmes and then I was headhunted by ITN in London to do a lot of theirs about heroin. At the time when I would have talked about heroin and worked with heroin, um, MLAs, counsellors, etc. was putting us out of Balamina because they were saying there was no such problem. But as I said, our, you know, my brother was from Antrim, um, and his background was he'd never done drugs or drank, but his son died at 12 weeks, and his GP put him on to diazepam and tamazepam um, all over the funeral of his son. He got obsessed that that um, there's something that had went wrong. His son had the metric valve in the heart wrong, but my brother wasn't happy with just the day that Dean died. They wouldn't let him and his wife hold the baby for long. And it turned out, eight years after he was buried, he was right. The reason they took Dean's body so quick as they needed to keep him warm so the organs um, were still warm and they'd stole them and kept them in Our Lady's Hospital in Dublin. So he was right when he thought there was something wrong. So it gets back to where there was his mental health deteriorated and yeah. put him into an addiction side. Following that there, um, my, one of my older brothers then, who hadn't ever drank, became an alcoholic because he couldn't deal with Gary's death um, and now he, we, he's 24 hour care with myself and my husband and children he can't walk, he's Koshnikov dementia um, and this was a man who was head of a psychiatric hospital in York so again what I try to make people see where mental health is concerned it's a roll on effect, there's always something behind it and with that then addiction came, mm-hmm. came in um, because I've worked with mental health for so many years here in Northern Ireland, we're in a decline. We're losing more and more people. We're losing our children. We're losing our adults. Um, and it's cuts in services. We're at a stage now, we're at a crisis stage in cuts in services. And it's now becoming out in the community groups. Um, I have one community group in Monkstown who a GP actually said to the, the client, go to your community group and try and get help because it wasn't the service we put forward from the GP. Okay. So we're now becoming a here in Northern Ireland at real crisis point, and I would have a great deal I feel. I went to Queen's and done my level seven, my postgrad in mental health and addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, within my PT and business, I'm not worried about what somebody looks like aesthetically. 
I want to work with her head. Because I believe in everything in life, unless your head's right, nothing's going to come right. 100%. And I think in the fitness business, we really need to start looking at that. Mm -hmm. Because I can say when I would look my best or what people would have thought I looked my best, I felt my worst. Yeah. Um, I was battling with myself, looking in the mirror, believing every every 10 minutes that I was putting on pounds that I really wasn't. And this is coming from somebody who worked with eating disorders. Um, when we used to transfer them to London, over to St George's in London, I would have took our eating disorders over. And I'd fallen into this trap within the fitness industry of keep looking at myself and depleting myself. And, you know, a lot of us girls become obsessed with that and become obsessed with our looks and forget who we are as people. Yeah. Um, you know, and we're getting into levels now where girls don't... Girls and fellas aren't worried about their mental health. Anybody that I have ever worked with or been in close contact with within the bodybuilding, I must say are the most insecure people I've ever met. Yeah. Yeah, and really need this care and support. And we look at them and we see these big bulks muscles, but we forget about how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, and we forget that everybody's always seeking perfection. So what we think looks well, they're still unhappy with themselves. So for me, we're causing addictions within the fitness industry. And we are really being detrimental to people's mental health. Yes. You know, and then there's not the support network out there because obviously we come in to wear anabolic steroids and whatnot are being took. And most people aren't going to go to their GPs and get the correct blood test to see where their levels are. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to battle with their own heads. Um, and as you know, if they've took something and it's made them look better aesthetically, they're not wanting to come off it. And it doesn't care how they feel. That's true. So I think, I think we have to be um, sympathetic within the fitness industry, but I, I do believe, I think the fitness industry is causing an awful lot of problems within mental health and addiction. Yeah, well, we've obviously talked a lot this past past year yeah. about health and fitness and obviously the mental health side of things. Um, now, you, you do obviously think there's a lot of issues in the health and fitness industry yeah. uh, relating to mental health. Um, how do you think, where, where do you think we go from here? Where do we go? I think I think we really... I mean, I've been very honest with you, Lee, of saying um, I'm very despondent with the health and fitness industry. Mm-hmm. And I'm around it. I mean, I professionally run from when I was 12 for Surrey Cross Country. Mm-hmm. I trampolined for Northern Ireland. So I've always been at quite high levels of training. I run for Epsom, Yule Harriers. You know, so... And you know something? Um, I think we're very unhealthy. I think what our personal trainers, fitness instructors are making people believe is wrong. I mean, it doesn't matter how good you look. If your head's not right, it, it, it makes no difference. And unfortunately now, instead of... I think now, when we're doing fitness instructing, it has to be brought in within the course content somewhere of learning people how to assess people. How to look at what people need. You know, it's okay telling them how to lift a dumbbell, right? But you know something... If that critter isn't in a good place, what's the point of telling them how to do a dumbbell? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always say it's like a nurse needs good bedside manners. A PT needs that. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? We're not only just... I find with my clients, I'm not only just their PT. I'm their confident. Yeah. You know, I'm their confident. And, you know, obviously because of my experience in working, having the jobs within the trust, I write for the Northern Trust Recovery College. Um, I know who to, to refer 
to if I'm concerned about a client's mental health or concerned about how they're feeling about themselves or I can advise them who to go to. I think really in PT's booklets we need to have one of those wee cards that I would carry about with me of where the referring bodies are. Because I, I see when when somebody comes to go to a PT, it's when they're crying out for help. Yeah. They're they're needing that you know, when somebody's coming to you, they're needing that um, support network and they're they're lowest ebb, you know, and they feel disempowered and you're there to empower them. Um and to me they're battling with what to see in the mirror. Mm-hmm. So we bring that back to their mental health. Thank you. Lovely. <laughs> we bring that back to their yeah. mental health, you know, um, because they're battling with what to see in the mirror. And as I tell people, scales, people jump on and on scales, on and off scales. And you know what? That's psychological. They're watching for them numbers going down. Mm-hmm. And are we jumping them back on it? How disempowering is that if two or three pounds gone on? You know, I just feel I'm a great believer in when somebody has actually took them guts to come and ask you for help as a PT, you should know how to empower them. Mm-hmm. PTs are obviously in the prime position to help totally others. Which is great. Obviously there's a big boom in the amount of PTs being qualified and things like that, which is, is obviously fantastic. Um, but do you really believe that? Well, I think... It depends, you know, in association to mental health side of things, it is fantastic uh, that there are more PTs out yeah. there. Uh, I obviously do believe in the, the sort of higher education and the, the referral side of things and obviously trying to get more and more people uh, qualified in, you know, specific areas. I uh, believe um, that we need more regulations. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I tell you why, Lee, I think, as I've just said to you, I think everybody who's coming to a PT... It's at their lower step and reaching out for help and support because obviously they're battling with their own demons within their head um, of how they look aesthetically. Mm-hmm. And we have young people maybe coming out of school and going and doing a PT course and hasn't a clue about mental health or hasn't a clue how to um, how to nurture people or talk to people just because they don't have life experiences, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, and we have a lot of people who just see whatever they're charging per hour. But there's more to that. There's more to that. Um, my whole thing is, I want to empower my clients. I want to make my clients feel good about them themselves, not feel good about how they look in the mirror. Because you know what? We're never happy with what we see in the mirror. Mm-hmm. We're never happy. That's true. You know, and I just think, and with our mental health services such crisis points, I mean, we're sitting within the, the Belfast area, we're approximately... I think it's 16 beds, crisis beds, and then we're trying to um, keep everybody in the community. We don't have crisis response teams. We don't have enough. But what you're, what you're saying, actually, I think a big thing for the health and fitness industry now is now is the ideal time because, as you say, crisis point in the NHS, where, where is the best place to, to get the help from mm-hmm. is the health and fitness industry. Yeah. You know, So it is an ideal moment where referrals, as we'll go back to, 
you know, but obviously people being properly qualified yeah. in that area. I think that's the big issue yeah. that we're talking it's, about. Uh, I mean, what we're talking about here is needing it properly regulated. Yeah. That people are getting, I mean, at the end of the day, as I would always say, Lee, you get a good team together when everybody's singing out the same hymn sheet. Uh-huh. Um, we get a good team together if you have got your clients coming to you and you've got the wee cards where all the referring bodies, if you feel that they need and you see how disempowered they are, how low they are, um, and knowing how to contact the good morning groups. If you've got a client there who, due to mental health, comes to your cells, but then doesn't have any contact with the outside world for five or six weeks, yeah. then you know how to put them in contact with a good morning group. That'll give them that one phone call a day to make sure they're safe. To make, you know, And we need to look at this as a big... There's a whole bigger picture that we need to look at. Mm-hmm. And I think in the fitness industry, we are the people really to do that. Yes. We really are the people to do that because we're their counsellor. Yes. You know, there's more. You get more out of a person on a PT session than in any counselling session I've ever run. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. You know, and I don't think there's one of us that, at some stage or other, hasn't felt low. And just that, that for be able to tell somebody that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have a lot of my clients who'd say they've been to PTs before, and the PTs shout at them for having a Mars bar. I'm the total opposite. <laughs> you know, I'm the total opposite. Listen, everything has to be balanced in life. Yes. Everything has to be about balance. But maybe that's my my background of working and eating disorders. But it's the whole perfection thing, you know what I mean? It's down, yeah. Um, I mean, what is perfection? Uh, to me, there is no such thing. There's no such <laughs> thing, you know. We all like different things, Lee. We all... Um, we all like different things and different looks. And we said earlier, as you get older... Your opinions on things yes. change. What you thought was nice when you were 20, yeah. you don't think that at 30 or you don't think that at 40. You know, when we start having family members affected with different health problems, we look at things different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We look at things completely different. Um, Life experience. Yeah. Yeah. Changes your, your, your... Of course it does. And you know what? What we one time thought was important really isn't important. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, really isn't important. And I think when we're starting to, to look now, I don't think there's too many of us that either our family members or somebody that we know hasn't committed suicide or been dead of addiction or mental health. Or, you know, so, you know, this is really the time when the fitness industry has to come together. Yes. And stop causing problems. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I like, I like them thoughts. <laughs> you know, yes. stop causing problems, stop causing eating disorders, stop causing body images problems, stop causing um, low mood because they maybe put two pound on the scales. Mm-hmm. Stop making people feel bad because they've eaten ice cream. Mm-hmm. We have to stop it. I suppose that is the issue when there's so many people obviously getting qualified personally in ways. Mm-hmm. There is obviously going to be a bigger number of people then not focusing on what is actually important. There's some unbelievable trainers out there. Yeah. Unbelievable ones, you know what I mean? Who really do focus on the mind first. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, health and fitness to me can be one of the biggest things ever for happiness. Yeah. It really, really can Lee, be. We've got to bring it on to the health and well-being. Yeah, yes. The overall yes. picture. Yeah, you know, I agree. Overall, overall picture, we have... Um, Listen, we've all been in that position. You know, when I was long distance running, running for Surrey, running was the best thing from sliced bread, and I'm going, oh God, the knees and the lower back, uh, when it was trampolining, you know. But it has to be an overall picture. And do you know what? I have two stone on me and feel as better now than I ever did when I was walking about and thought yeah. it was God's gift. Yes. You know, and yeah. that, you know that's a fact. And I understand. I would work with girls and fellas that would be show condition. 
And I can honestly say to you, they're most unhappiest. Mm-hmm. I would have my grave concerns about their mental health. Yeah. And they all would have their concerns. And, you know, how many people, well, I would know quite a few that has addiction issues, um, to fat burners, to a lot of insulin, mm-hmm. people taking insulin, um, <laughs> to bring down their body fat because they want to look good. But they're willing to put their life in their hands. Yeah. You know, to me, okay, people can turn around and say, oh, how mad are they? But you know what? That is an illness. They're I looking at their cells in the mirror thinking they're not good enough. That co- Does that not come back to, as well, you know, age and experience? You know, obviously, the older that you're getting, you I don't sort really, of understand this a bit well, more. I would agree with you in one sense, but when I see a lot of the older people that, that I work with, yeah. um, who would, what would you want to call it, well-established within the fitness industry, mm-hmm. it's them trying to keep up with the young ones and not realising your body gets older. Okay. Your body gets older. Yeah. You know, and it's big risk taking, you know. But it's like any addiction. I say the fitness industry is like any other addiction. Um, because you're striving for more and more and more. And it doesn't matter, even though you, you know it's having an effect on your mental health and it's making you feel low. And whatever steroid you're going to take in could be playing with your mental health. Or you could be angry at your family or how many people's been getting ready for shows and you see it coming up on Facebook with people saying, oh, you're okay, you're in your last two or three weeks. Oh, I love my missus. Thanks very much for taking the bad temper and the grumpiness. For what? Five minutes to stand on the stage and nobody really cares. Mm. Nobody cares when you get off that stage but you still have to battle with your mental health. You still have to get your levels right. You know, and it could be detrimental and it could be effects you have for life. Yeah. Never really thought of it that way, actually. What What is it that that you enjoy doing health and fitness ways. what do I enjoy doing yeah. um, empowering people Okay. I love seeing people that maybe I'm having to help in from their car because they're that anxious to come into a gym environment mm-hmm. and when I see them six or seven weeks later I don't have to go and meet them in the car park mm-hmm. and they're able to dander into the gym to me to me that's a big achievement for yeah. me or that I'm not having to get them slots where I know it's a shut gym and they're coming in with other people's in it see to me Yeah. that makes it for me you know, I don't... I'm not interested with the loss in the scales. No. I'm not interested in that. Mm-hmm. You know, when I can see somebody who's genuinely having a bit of a laugh and um, feeling empowered themselves, Brilliant. that's good enough. But then when we go back to the mental health in Northern Ireland side of things, mm-hmm. forgetting about health and fitness industry, mm-hmm. okay, what... Where do you think we go from here? Where do we go from yeah. here? Um, I'm being honest with you, Lee. Mm-hmm. You know, I work with the Trust and I write for the Trust. Um... And when you see the, mu- the amount of funding that's being thrown at um, community groups, etc., it shows you how much crisis point we're in. We don't have the staffing levels within the NHS anymore to deal with it. We don't have the beds. Um, you're talking now within, if you need a counsellor within the, um, from your GP referral, you're talking about maybe 16 weeks. Yeah. You know, whereas a lot of the, the community groups, etc., can get you counselling maybe within two or three weeks. So this is a sort of where we see the crisis point that you have, you know, funders coming in privately and trying to fund some sort of help because we are at crisis point. I mean, we just have to look at the statistics here in Northern Ireland of the deaths of young people and older people. And older people. We really are at crisis points. Mm. We really are. And this is where I think that we are at the forefront of it. Okay. In the fitness industry. I mean, I would have my phone at least four or five suicides a day. Seriously. You know... And these would be people you turn around and say, God, Tracy, where, where do they really have problems? Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? And 
whatever what I always turn around and say, we can be, deal with the biggest problems, Lee, and it can be the smallest one that pushes over the edge. Yes. Yeah. You know, and this whole thing the kids are now committing suicide and it's becoming you know, self harming. Lee, how 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 is self harming now? You know, people are believing it's a stress reliever, um, it's their way out. And you know what? Things go wrong sometimes. Yeah. You know, we've got GPs, I know, within our GPs. System, you can wait three weeks to see your GP. What good's that to somebody who's feeling low? That's true. You know, what <laughs> good's that to somebody who's crying out for help? Then you've other people that don't even want, are scared to talk. We're still at a stigma of mental health. Mm-hmm. We're still at a stigma. You know, as we said earlier, what Prince Harry done and Williams is massive for that us. That may be huge. Yeah, huge. it's massive. You know, and it's... Hopefully that will move us forward to see that... None of us, none of us are um, safe from it. Nobody is. You know, we've crisis in our life and we've all felt down at times and thought, oh shit, what can we do here? And I always talk to people about that black hole. You know, sometimes when people are in that black hole, they see no way out. Yes, yes. There's no way out. Mm-hmm. You know, and that simple, I mean, I've had a few clients that maybe our first two sessions, us are sitting on the green mats and them crying their eyes out. Yeah. Them kind of, and you know what, Lee? I think it's really, really important um, the connection a PT gets with a client. Yeah. I think that's really, really important. And I think this is where it's what you are doing with the mental health course. I believe nobody should be allowed to be a PT without having that mental health course. Seriously? Yeah. I believe, well, you know, I believe it should be a part of your level three. How can you come into contact with people? And you don't know how to speak to people. You don't know how to deal with. You don't know what signs to look out for. I think it should be in every P. I shouldn't. I don't think you should be allowed to go out practicing as a PT without it. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's the way the world's evolving now. You'll always have to add more and more things into it. Yeah. As as time passes, you know, as as things. And I mean, happen. another big thing, medication. Right? Yeah. Another big thing, medication. You know, I've I've had people contact me because their PTs have encouraged them to come off their antidepressants because it puts weight on them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's scary when PTs think they can give out um, advice on medication. That's, I think that's then where, obviously, exercise referral-wise is a exactly. huge part. Exactly. Is a huge part, you know. So, I mean, when you think of that, the whole package, exercise referral and mental health should be brought mm. into the package. Yeah. Now. It's a pe- but at the same time, I suppose, the other side of things is some guys who want to become PTs maybe don't want to work with that side of things. So, therefore, should they have to do exercise referrals? Well, should what, they have to I do... Mean, 90, I mean, I think I've done a calculation up. 97% of the population that goes into a gym environment are on some sort of medication. Mm, well, okay, there you go. <laughs> you know, 97% of mm-hmm. gym. So we're given 3% that's on nothing. Oh, yes. You know, Okay. Um, and to me, it would be like having a nurse with no bedside manner. <laughs> you know, Lee, you're on a one-to-one for an hour with somebody. Yeah. And you have to know how to um, speak to that person, how to deal with that person. You know, I've heard of PTs telling people, you look fat, thinking they're encouraging. No, you're not. You're making them feel rubbish about themselves. Yeah, okay. You know, so it's getting away again from that aesthetic look and empowering people. Because I always say, you see if you make somebody feel good about themselves, they'll, break, they'll clean up their eating themselves. Yes, yeah. Well, listen, we've said it before, and I've said it to him blue in the face, you know, fix the head first and everything else follows, you yeah. know. 
that's that's always my thought. To me, um, a healthy mind makes a fit body. There you go. Oh, I like that. I like that. You know, that's, that's my motto. Yeah. A healthy mind makes a fit body. Yeah. Okay. Well, I suppose that's a that's a good way to end, then, isn't it? It is indeed. Yeah. Well, I love just hitting hitting record and see where we go from there because all sorts comes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank you.